Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 14. Episode 23. This is Writing Excuses, governments, large and small. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. I'm a hot dog. And we are in a bureaucracy. No, we're really not. <laughs> we have a lot of paper, though. We're in a meritocracy. <laughs> no. I wish. We wouldn't be on the show anymore. No, We'd actually. We'd just be our <laughs> co-hosts. <laughs> um... So government. Yeah, dude, that's a, what, what kind of ocracy are we in? We're not here by merit. We're here because we got here first. That's right. Okay. There's a there's a government for us. We started it, so it's our thing. It is. Uh, what, what do you call a inherited white guy power? Joke in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, besides you know monarchy, monarchy, but that's not. But it's not monarchy. It's. Uh, We're just going to call this a Howardarchy. <laughs> and that just is because that's a, a great word. Yeah. That's terrible. So um, <laughs> it sounds like a great name for a rabbit. <laughs> okay, you know, so we're talking about governments large and small. Yes, and looking are. at if you are going to world build governments, if you start by looking at the power structures in which you live, because I mean the very word government, governing is an expression of power. It's an expression of control. What are the what are the methods by which your family is governed? What are the methods by which you personally govern yourself? What are the methods by which your workplace is governed? Um, Are these things, you know, does it feel autocratic? Does it feel democratic? Does it feel, you know, meritocratic? Uh, People got here because they know how to do things well, and so we all kind of agree that they should be in charge because they do it better than anyone else. Uh, Looking at those things at the level where you live is probably the fastest way to learn how to make it interesting when you're trying to write about it in stories. Well, this is this has been writing excuses. <laughs> that was autocracy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna let's play off of that idea right there. One of the the things every time I kind of bring up politics uh, as a story, a method of telling a story, people's eyes seem to glaze over. I remember back, way back when Dan and I were going to conventions and pitching things to people, I pitched to an editor at Del Rey and I said, well, it's a, you know, it's a political book um, with political intrigue and stuff. And he's like, never lead by telling someone it's a book about <laughs> political intrigue. They will get so bored so quickly. I'm like, but lots of books are about political intrigue. That is the entire Game of Thrones series. Mm-hmm. Um, so how obviously it can be made to be interesting. How do you do that? You have one person who you can all hate, which is why, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, House that's why, cards. yeah, monarchy. That's why it works so well is because, and that's why I don't think democracies work so well unless you have one person who is the face of the democracy that you can identify as someone 
who is probably doing wrong and then, you know, I, I think you need one person to vilify. Basically. Okay. So well, for yeah. <laughs> George Orwell's uh, 1984, you had to have the two minute hate uh, because we had to have, we had to have something to center around to, to not like. Um, I think that, uh, I think that we often conflate politics with, with sociology and economics and, and ecology and all kinds of other things. Politics is fascinating because it is the way in which power is wielded over other people. Um, you can have a belief that everybody should have free food, and you can have a belief that everybody should starve unless they can win a sword fight. You know, that you, can, you can adopt these two sociological beliefs. How do you enforce that? Do you enforce that with sword fighting? Do you enforce that with money? Do you enforce that? How does that work? That is where, that is where it becomes political. And for me, when you talk about political intrigue, what you're talking about is people wielding power over other people, ripping the rug out from, undering the, from under them so that they no longer have the power they thought they had. It's less about the political position and more about... About changes in power about dynamics. The, more about the musculature, more about the arm mm-hmm. bar, the... the. Yeah. I, what fascinates me about political stories, political fiction, is the movement within the rules. So... Earlier, uh, I mentioned House of Cards, which was the Netflix series, which I loved until Kevin Spacey imploded. Um, Also, you know, the British series, The Thick of It, which was then remade into the American series Veep. Those are fascinating and fantastic shows that show the inner workings of government. And they're fascinating because every episode is more or less, we need to accomplish X. How? We can't just go and do it because there's a bureaucracy in the way. And so we need to get a favor from this guy. And then we need to get this woman on our side. And then we need to give them a quid pro quo and do something for them so that they'll do something for us. And watching all of the hoops that have to be jumped through and watching the political strategizing that goes on, that's what makes it fascinating. And so I almost think there there are certain aspects of of political fiction in which a single hateful figure like a dictator are very valuable. And I think that's one of the reasons we default to dictators so much because it gives us a villain. Yeah. But I think you can get just as much drama out of the, the constraints placed on, on, you know, how do we navigate this system? Uh, And so it's not so much that there is a face that we can hate as just the red tape we have to cut through. You know, but, even though I said it's good to have, you know, a monarchy or a dictatorship where you have one person, just thinking back to rural India, where you do not have one person, but you have a panchayat, which is basically five elders of the village who sit down and mediate. Mm-hmm. And that is their political or their government, basically. I mean, you do have a federal government, you do have a state government, but in the villages, it is these five people who control the fate of of the rest of the villagers. So it could be anything from, you know, domestic violence to crime, to rape, to whatever. And it's these five people. And sometimes they come up with really good um, solutions and sometimes they are just as corrupt. So mm-hmm. they could all collude and and pass judgment. So you have to see the framework 
in which you're setting that government and to have a dictatorship in, in a rural Indian setting may not work. But mm-hmm. having this kind, so it, it's good to yeah. kind of explore what would work in a certain society based on their cultures, their norms, what they believe in, who they look up to, because elders are respected in India. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't see that kind of respect in North America where, you know, people are questioned, even, we don't even if they are anybody. <laughs> teachers and elders. Mm-hmm. I don't see the kind of, you know, respect that they get. And that comes from the cultural aspect of India where, you know, you respect your elders, even if they are wrong. You respect them and you pretty much do what they say. Yeah. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique, which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's uh, do a book of the week, Dan. So our book of the week is A Memory Called Empire by Arkady Martin. This is a tour book uh, that uh, I absolutely love. It gave me the same kind of political espionage science fiction vibe that Dune did. It's a very different book, but it still has that flavor. It is about a diplomat from a space station society who has, is traveling to the heart of this massive intergalactic empire uh, to be the new ambassador there in the midst of a huge crisis. And it has some really cool technology. It has some incredible cultural stuff Um there's kind of ritualized communication and poetry. There's the way that this uh, new this this big civilization talks to each other, but really it's kind of a murder mystery that can only be solved by navigating the kind of underbelly and of, of this government. And it's just really good, and I really love it. The language is beautiful, and uh, the culture is fascinating, and the politics in it are just vicious. A memory called Empire. Yes. So next week, we're going to dive, do a deep dive into political intrigue itself. Um, so for the remainder of this discussion, I want to back up just a little bit and talk about the actual world-building elements. Uh, what are things 
that our listeners need to take into account and consideration when they are world building specifically a government. I'm talking about, for instance, you know, one of the most important purposes for a government is to design the laws. What is legal and what is not? Who decides that? How is it arrived upon and how is it enforced? These Mm -hmm. sorts of things. What other things do people have to consider when they're building a a government? Taxes. Okay. Taxes is, I mean, most people hate taxes. They would question it. Why would people be taxed for certain things and, you know, if they didn't pay it or what what, what are the taxes paid for and how are they paid? And that could be a very interesting story. There was a, we were just talking about it. There was a movie called The Gun, which is taxes um, um, raised on villages during the British Empire. And the only way to get out of it was for the villagers to play cricket. And if they lost, they would have to pay three times the taxes. But because the villagers were so bowed under that weight of it, they took that risk and they went ahead. And it's it's brilliant. But I think taxes mm-hmm. is a huge um, yeah. point. Yeah. For- and even uh, take taxes and uh, and pull a step back from that and ask yourself, you know, what is the... How is the government managing the allocation of resources? Uh, is it possible, you know, in your fantasy or science fiction setting, for a government to govern, to operate in a way where resources don't need to be allocated to it, where it can allocate its own resources? It it doesn't need taxes because it has its own source of power, money, whatever. Um, these are fun questions, fun questions to ask. The, I, I, I guess I come back around to the way in which power is expressed a lot. Um, I like the, uh, I like the model, the, the four estate model that we talk about a lot in the U.S., where you have an executive branch where power is expressed in terms of enforcing laws, you know, the military, the police, the, the execution of, of judgment. You have a judiciary branch in which power is expressed through interpretation of law. Uh, you have a legislative branch in which power is expressed through the creation of law. And you have the fourth estate where power is expressed through the dissemination of information to the people who vote for all of the people who make, execute, and interpret the laws. Um, It's a really elegant sort of model that says nothing about uh, conservatism or liberalism or progressivism or green or whatever. Um, It's all about the way in which power is expressed. And I love looking at that model and then finding ways to break it in the same way that, you know... Government's break in our world, which is when somebody crosses between two domains of expression of power, so they now have more power than they than they otherwise would. So another way to look at uh, look at power is, you know, where does power come from, and who holds it? I remember reading this really compelling essay about talking about the difference between United States government and the European governments that many of us came from. Um, United States government was formed after the invention of the gun, which means that people were able to defend themselves and did not need a government to protect them. And so we have a completely different attitude about 
the power government should have, the amount of allegiance that we owe to our government, the amount of things we rely on our government for than the European governments that have existed since the feudal times when you needed a, a lord to protect you. And so looking at, you know, well, when was this government created? How, under what circumstances was this government created? And how has that affected the way they perceive it? Two things we haven't talked about also. Um, historically, one of the main reasons that governments collapsed was that they weren't able to rule the la- a large enough area. They captured more mm-hmm. land than they were able to communicate with quickly and maintain control of. And so uh, one of the things that I suggest if you're creating a fantasy government is look at how is the information getting around? How How is this far off piece of your empire being governed? Mm-hmm. And how realistic is that? Um, before you get to easy, quick communication, it's very hard to maintain a large government. It will collapse under its own weight, or you'll have to do some of the things that they tried um, in some of the, the early Western governments where they would have, you know, there would be three kings, kind of, who all worked as one, and they each had this little part that they were king of, but together they were one government, um, finding ways to try and rule something bigger than one person can rule. The other thing we haven't talked about is succession. Um, Mm -hmm. How does the power change hands in this government? Um, Larry Niven's story called One Face, which I love for its expression of political intrigue is kind of the wrong way, wrong word, but the the, the succession of power. Uh, Spaceship, hyperspace gets knocked out of hyperspace. They don't know where they are. Uh, Their computer isn't quite working right. The computer is really smart, though, uh, but it's not quite working right. And they figure out, oh, we actually made it back to Sol system, but the sun got bigger and ate Mercury, and Earth now only has one face. And all of, and, and you know, so Earth is a dead planet. And we have no idea what to do. And they ask the computer, what, do you have any suggestions? What should we do? And the computer is dying, and the computer says, promote the astrophysicist to captain, and then it dies. And I love that, because what it says is, the wrong person is in charge, you put this person in charge, he can solve the problem, and now I'm dead. Uh, And the problem is, well, we got to find a way to spin Earth again, because everything you guys need is frozen on the other side of it. You've just crashed and you can't see it yet, but the astrophysicist is going to figure that out. And so, uh, I and I love, okay, sure, I've spoiled the story for you, but that whole aspect of succession where, where you know, God, if you will, has said, nope, he needs to be king. I'm not telling you why. Get I'm out. Mm-hmm. Mic drop. I'd still read it. <laughs> still sounds interesting. Um, I, I love this idea of succession. One of my very favorite movies is called The Lion in Winter, which is about uh, Eleanor of Aquitaine and her husband, who was probably named Edward, and then their children, Richard the Lionheart, Prince Lackland, and the third one no one remembers. Um, and the, it, the entire story takes place over one night in which the two parents are trying to decide which of their sons will inherit. And we have this concept of royal primogeniture, which, yes, existed, but... You know, if if the wrong son was going to inherit, you had ways of making sure that he didn't, you know? And so they're trying to decide which one is going to take over when the king dies. And it is 
constant political scheming, backbiting, stabbing, murdering, sleeping around, all in the course of one night, and it's fantastic. We are out of time. Um, Howard, you've got some homework for us. Yep. Uh, you know what? I've been I've been beating on this drum a little bit already, but I'm going to let you guys go pound on it now. Um, the four estate model, uh, uh, executive, legislative, judiciary, and, and the press. Uh, find expressions of power that are outside of that or that are subdivisions of that and create your own numbered model in which uh, government or society, because really the four-state model is larger than just government, in which uh, expression of power within your society uh, is, is categorized, and then build your governments around that. Awesome. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.